Hey friends, I'm Jeremy Hearn and welcome to the Saint Friends Podcast, a podcast for Catholics, non-Catholics, and really anyone interested in learning about the lives of some ordinary people who lived extraordinary lives and answered God's call to holiness. Today's Saint Friend is one of the better known saints, even in the secular world. She's considered an inspiration to women, is admired by men and women for her courage, and was very famously burned at the stake. So let's see how someone, even a young girl in armor, can help change the course of history with our new friend, St. Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was born on January 6, 1412, to a devout Catholic family of French peasants in the village of Domremy near Lorraine. Beginning at about the age of 12, Joan had a vision and began to hear voices that later identified themselves as St. Michael the Archangel, St. Catherine of Alexandria, and St. Margaret of Antioch. At first, these messages were personal to Joan and what was going on in her life, but when she was 13, she had another vision of the three saints while in her father's garden. In this vision, they told Joan to drive the English from French territory and ask that she bring the Dauphin to Rams so he could be crowned as king. After the vision, Joan tells us that she wept for how beautiful the saints were to her when they appeared. A few years later, when she was 16, Joan asked her relative Durand Lassois to take her to Vaclour, and while there, she continually asked the garrison commander, Robert de Baudricourt, for permission to visit the French royal court in Chinon. He obviously declined, but Joan came back the next January with the support of two soldiers, Jean de Metz and Bertrand de Poulengy. During this new visit with the garrison commander, Joan predicted a military victory at the Battle of Rivray near Orléans, which was confirmed a few days later by a messenger. The commander realized there was no way that Joan could have known what had happened to the battle so far away and also been there to meet with him the same day so he came to believe that she could have only known this by divine revelation. At that point, Joan was given an escort to Chinon through hostile Burgundian territory. For Joan's safety, as they traveled, she dressed as a male soldier and kept her hair short for more practical reasons than anything. Joan arrived at the royal court and had a private audience with Charles VII, who came to trust our young saint friend. Charles's mother-in-law, Yolande of Aragon, then asked Joan to travel on a finance mission to Orléans following the devastating battle that had just happened there. The royal government knew that Joan should be better protected for this kind of travel and provided her armor to wear just like the other soldiers. Joan arrived in Orléans on a horse in a suit of armor with a sword at her side and royal banner in her hand. Joan spoke with the people there about how her coming was the work of God and many began to worry that this originally political war, the Hundred Years' War, by the way, would turn into a religious war. Charles VII feared some might refer to Joan as a sorceress, which would then link his rule to the works of the devil and not of God, so he ordered an investigation of Joan's background and for her to take a theological exam. In April of 1429, the investigatory commission declared that Joan was irreproachable and a good Christian possessing the virtues of humility, honesty, and simplicity. Charles was satisfied, but others weren't, and insisted that she be tested. Joan arrived at Orléans 
on April 29th of 1429, and Jean d'Orléans, the head of the Orléans family, made sure that she was excluded from all war councils and kept in the dark about any battles. Five months before Joan had arrived, the French had only made one offensive move, which ended in defeat. But suddenly, after Joan's arrival, things began to turn around, bolstering Joan's claim that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, was with her, and that God aided those whom she was with. Though Joan never killed anyone, and never gave any commands to the army, many accepted her tactical advice as they believed it was divinely inspired. On May 4th, less than a week after Joan's arrival, the French captured the fortress of Saint-Loup, and then the next day, the fortress of Saint-Jean-le-Blanc, and the English forces approached the French army to stop them, but a single cavalry charge caused the English to run away. After several more battles and fortresses taken, the English, within two weeks of Joan's arrival, fled from Orléans, and the siege was over. Just to note, Joan did take an arrow to the lower part of her neck near her shoulder, but got better. After the Battle of Orléans was over, many clergymen began to support Joan, including the Archbishop of Embrun. Joan was able to persuade Charles VII to allow her to march into other battles and reclaim cities, each one of them also a victory. Finally, Paris was their destination. A truce had never been set up with Duke Philip of Burgundy, and in the battles that followed, Joan was shot in the leg by a crossbow. With only one failed battle, it wasn't long before Charles VII granted nobility to Joan's family in thanks for her help. A truce with England was finalized but quickly broken, so Joan traveled with the army to Compiègne to defend against an English siege. She was captured and held for a ransom of 10,000 livres tournois, about $195,000 today. There were several attempts to free Joan, including one where she jumped from a 70-foot tower into a dried-up moat, but none of those attempts were successful. She was eventually tried by the English as a heretic and a witch in a trial that violated all of the legal proceedings of the time. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the legal proceedings, but the basics are that the jury was made up of only Englishmen and no Frenchmen, and that even some of those Englishmen were threatened with death if they didn't participate. Joan was eventually held in a secular prison guarded by the English, instead of a church prison guarded by nuns, as was the practice at the time, and despite appeals to a council and even the Pope, though he never got the message, her appeal was denied. While in prison, Joan continued to wear men's clothing for a number of reasons, including her own safety, but that led to another count of heresy for cross-dressing. But even the Inquisitor presiding over the court agreed that there were a number of valid reasons for women to be wearing men's clothing. According to the later decrees of that judge, Joan would have been justified for wearing armor on the battlefield and men's clothing while traveling and in prison. Despite the complete lack of evidence against her, Joan was sentenced to death in 1431 by being burned at the stake, because remember, she was also accused of witchcraft, and we collectively hadn't come up with trying to check her weight against that of a duck. Joan's execution took place on May 30th, 1431, and she was tied to a tall pillar at the Vieux Marché in Rouen. Two priests held a crucifix before her so she could see Jesus suffering for her on the cross as she died. After the fires went out, the English raked the coals so that everyone could see she had not escaped. They then burned her body two more times to reduce it to ash so that no one could take relics of Joan's holy body, and they scattered those ashes into the Sun River. 21 years later, in 1452, a retrial for Joan was opened with the approval of Pope Calixtus III, the first of the Borgia Popes. 
a retrial was meant to see if Jones' condemnation was handled justly. And as we know from moments ago, it was determined that it was not handled appropriately. Joan received a formal appeal in November of 1455, and the court declared her innocent on July 7, 1456, just over 25 years after Joan's death. So, just a little bit too late on that one. Joan was beatified in 1909 by Pope St. Pius X and was canonized on May 16th in 1920 by Pope Benedict XV. Her feast day is celebrated every year on the anniversary of her death, May 30th. Thanks for joining me today as we've talked about one of the best-known women saints outside of the Bible, St. Joan of Arc. This episode wraps up yet another season of the podcast. As a reminder, the seasons are more for organization of the saints so they don't all get lost. We still have a new episode next week about a new saint friend as we begin season five. Feel free to reach out to us by email at saintfriendspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at saintfriendspod. And of course, you can always find us at our website, saintfriends.com. As we wrap up this episode and season, we ask for the prayers of our new saint friend. Joan's life has been compared to a shooting star across the landscape of French and English history. Her life of continued faith and perseverance toward a goal challenges us. May we have the strength and courage of Joan to live out our faith, no matter how many set up barriers for us along the path to heaven. We say together, Saint Joan of Arc, pray for us. Pray for us.